0: I have a material witness out of the X-rated battery uh, with a handgun of If we're safe now, Chief Justice, <coughs> may you please report, this case concerns itself with the conviction of a defendant of Thank you, gentlemen. The case is submitted. We'll hear arguments next in... That's uh, against Kentucky. Welcome to another episode of Bears the Bar and Beyond, the Baylor Pre-Law Podcast. This week, we come to you from the nation's capital, and we're pleased to welcome this week's guest, Molly Moore. Molly Moore is a Baylor alumni, but also the director of the Baylor in DC program. Molly, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Molly, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what brought you to Baylor to begin with, because you are an alum.
1: Yeah, I am and I had a little help from my family because my mom went to Baylor and my sister went to Baylor. But ultimately I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in the Portland and Seattle areas and ended up choosing Baylor because it had so many of the advantages of a large research institution but a very strong campus life, spiritual life, student life aspect and that was very appealing to me and wanted to have a pretty well-rounded experience.
0: And what did you what did you study?
1: studied international studies and I chose that because I wanted to come in and have the most flexible degree possible and I was interested in political science but international studies allowed me to have a more interdisciplinary experience um, so ended up doing that.
0: Did you know that coming in or did you take a little while to to settle on a major?
1: Took a little while I did I took a couple semesters to <laughs> survey the landscape and yep. ask for some advice and meet with advisors which I'm glad I did.
0: What might be some advice based on your experience that you would have for, for students who are trying to figure out what, mm-hmm. what should they study, what should they major in?
1: That's a good question. I would look at not just the, um, the credit requirements and the courses that are required for the degree, but what experiences they'll have access to, what faculty members are teaching in those areas, and are, are those faculty members who they want to learn from, what co-curricular programming, internship opportunities are people in that major typically doing? And would those be some kind of extracurricular experiences that they would have access to? Um, And then I think at a school like Baylor, having a liberal arts education um, is pretty fantastic. And not a lot of schools offer as rich and diverse of an education as Baylor does. So making sure that you have a degree that allows you to take from a variety of the departments and institutes around campus.
0: So you, you wanted a really broad major or, or a major that gives that left you with a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. What did you do with your summers to explore some of the options that might exist and, and to get to a point where you felt comfortable with what you might do after your undergraduate studies?
1: Yeah, it's a great question and the source of anxiety for basically every <laughs> college student, which I totally understand. I had some great advice um, from a mentor who told me that, your internships and and co-curricular activities are more so to help facilitate who you're becoming and not what you're going to be doing. And so I looked at most of my free time during the academic semester and also in the summers as opportunities to shape who I was becoming. And so throughout my academic career, I not only had professional internships and a few academic experiences, but I also worked at a a summer camp that um, was really formational for me growing up and had one summer where I just worked an average job back home and spent time with friends and family. Um, The professional and academic opportunities that I pursued, I tried to touch on a variety of areas that I thought matched my giftings and my interests and my skills. So one of those perfectly aligned with my major, which was International Studies and I interned at a small foreign policy think tank here in DC called the International Center for Religion and Diplomacy. And there was actually a Baylor International Studies graduate who interned there two years before me. So they had laid the groundwork and Hmm. the organization knew about Baylor through that previous alum. So I interned there to tap into some of my interests in foreign affairs and foreign policy. I did one internship at Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance company Uh in business development because I had always had a sense that I enjoy um, outreach and communicating um, with different constituencies and customers, relationship and network building, um, and business development involves a lot of that. So it was somewhat of a random institution. I'm not terribly passionate about health insurance, but (laughs) um, I'm grateful that it's available and, and it's a huge industry. So it was a fun business experience.
0: And I think I think one of the things that's helpful in an experience like that, even if you finish and you realize this is not for me, you at least, at least have an understanding of what it's like because there are a lot of careers out there mm-hmm. that aren't on that list of five to ten professions that everyone thinks of when they think of post-college jobs.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: You also had an interest in politics. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about how you explored that interest just to flesh out what it is you actually wanted to do at the end.
1: Right, exactly. Most of my interests in politics had to do with um, international affairs mm. um, and international politics. So in my classes, I was exploring that. Outside of my classes, I had the, uh, the benefit of being a student during a presidential election. So I participated in a lot of different campaign opportunities in the county, a lot of different simulations of presidential debates and presidential campaigns on campus. I was a part of the International Studies Honor Society, which allowed me to hear guest speakers who came mm. in. We had Condoleezza Rice whenever I was a student, which was terrific. Wow. Um, and, and I uh, used the connections that Baylor provided me through faculty members and advisors and, and alumni to meet people who had entered politics. And the biggest question I always asked myself when I was meeting them was, is this a person who I want to become like? Not necessarily their personality, although their character is reflected in the way they talk about their work but is are they using a skill set are they experts in a subject matter are they pursuing jobs and opportunities that I would also find interesting and um, and so my interest in politics has always been there and is still there because I'm in the DC environment but I realized that working in pure politics is a is a pretty particular beast and a lot of the people I met in that I kind of noticed some differences that I had in my personality and that was helpful The contrast
0: what what I like about that story is that you are looking at your outcomes holistically so mm-hmm. you're not saying uh, I want to meet people based on what they do mm. but is the kind of person I perceive them to be the kind of person I want to be exactly down the road and that may not be in the career that you thought Mm-hmm. And I think it's good for students to be looking uh, as they discern what to do next in that same way and not just think what is going to give me a job and what's going to pay mm-hmm. a certain amount because it's important to be um, developing professionally and to have some career goals, but you also want to be able to look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day too, right?
1: Right. And that was incredibly helpful as I was considering foreign service through the State Department because it it attracts a very particular type of person who's willing to relocate to different countries every two years for their entire career. Mm-hmm. And those people have certain values and norms around their concepts of community and family and the way that they view their career and the long-term benefits of serving their country. And, and those are core distinctives to who they are. And I noticed that I had some different ideas about what I wanted my life to look like than some of those people and the paths they pursued.
0: Yeah, that's great. You, you mentioned before that a mentor had given you some really helpful advice. We we have a Baylor mentor program, and we, we want our listeners to be aware of that and to be making the most of that because it's a really useful mm-hmm. resource. How did you go about finding a mentor, and how has it been beneficial?
1: It's a great question. That's a really tough one to navigate in D.C. because mentorship is – its own form of social capital that can be exploited. Mm. And people will try to leverage it for their their own advantages pretty often. So I always tell students that your best mentors starting off are people who really genuinely want to help you and invest in you, regardless of what you can do for them. So it's one thing if you meet someone at a reception, if you're interning on the Hill and they're interested in getting a meeting with your member, so they offer to have coffee with you. It's totally different if it's your dad's cousin's best friend and they just genuinely care about you because of your family connection. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Those are, in my opinion, the most authentic people who can give you guidance and and help set you up for new opportunities and success. And so for me, some of my most helpful mentors were people I met through friends of friends, family friends, um, other Baylor alumni in D.C., people I met through my church in particular, uh, my most recent job before Baylor was at the American Enterprise Institute, and I found out about the job that I applied for at AEI through a mentor who I met at church. And she was actually just interested in talking to me about life and relationships and um, you know what I enjoyed doing and hobbies, and we grabbed coffee, and it was very informal, and one day we were sitting down to have coffee to talk about my trip to go visit some college friends, and. She said, "This email just came across my inbox. It's for a job at AEI. I think it has a lot to do with what you've talked about before. You should apply." And I ended up at AEI because of that.
0: What would you What would you say to students who maybe want to have a mentor but don't have any existing networks, like the one that you mentioned, Was that, mm-hmm. and they might be new to uh, texas that come from out of state or Mm -hmm. they want to go to somewhere like new york or dc Mm -hmm. and just have absolutely no connection there how would they go about finding a mentor because it it's not necessary that the mentor be in a particular place it's more i guess more focused on whether they're going to invest in you exactly how do you find those people
1: so i think often looking around at the organizations that you're associated with, affiliated with, if you're part of a student group, um, start asking around who are the advisors for the student group. If you have access to a scholarship or a distinctive honors opportunity, who's funding that? Who's av- who's available to you who has a connection and is interested in seeing you succeed? Um, I think in D.C. in particular, and this is not as Um, relevant for those back on campus right now, but in in D.C., in my experience, I've never had someone turn me down for a conversation. I have reached out to hundreds of people for help, for tangible requests, and just for informational conversations and get-to-know-you interviews, and I've never had someone tell me no. People are very willing to talk about themselves and (laughs) all that they've accomplished and learned, and if you can provide an opportunity for them to reflect on that, and if that becomes a productive relationship. I think it's a win-win for everyone. So, just asking, really,
0: it shows a degree of confidence and initiative. I think mm-hmm. as well to Definitely. actually pick up the telephone. And, oh yeah. And it's there's a lot of people out in the world, and it's okay if if you do meet one of those people who mm-hmm. says, oh, "I'm sorry, I can't." Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of other people out there who will be who will be willing to help. That's right. When you when you look back at your time at Baylor, what are some things that you wish you'd done differently?
1: That's a great question. I really tried, back to my earlier point, which was a great piece of advice, to be conscious of how I was being formed by my commitments and not just what I was gaining or what I was learning. I tried to do less, I tried to focus on a couple areas of, of investment, a couple of commitments in my life that I felt like were meaningful and were forming me in the right ways and go deep in those areas and really pursue responsibility and growth and commitment and grit and be committed to those, follow through. I wish I had done more of that. I think even my freshman year, I spread myself very thin yeah. and even beyond that. but it it wasn't until probably my junior year or senior year that I started to realize oh, these are the areas of investment that will really have value for me for the rest of my life and will pay off for the rest of my life and I, I wish I had invested more deeply in those areas and not so much in some of the surface level commitments that I maintained.
0: Quality over quantity. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a temptation, especially as especially for our freshman listeners to come in and kind of um, be excited at how much there is for them to see and do and get invested in, especially just the the, the range of academic topics you can study and the range of student organizations. But
1: that's right. there's
0: only so many hours in a day and seven days in a week. That's right. Y- you've still got to be conscious that you don't spread yourself too thin.
1: And I will add to that that that's a very helpful um, indicator of, how successful a student might be in a job for employers. When I'm reviewing internship applications, job applications in any of my jobs, I look to see, has this student learned how to balance their time? And have they learned how to stick to certain commitments and not overextend themselves? And if they are in 12 different organizations all the way through senior year, that indicates something, and you'll have to explain that in interviews. So it it helps to start to discipline yourself because employers notice when you have good judgment about how to use your time.
0: Mm, That's good advice. Well, in your current role, you are overseeing the Baylor and D.C. program, which is now beyond just a summer program. That's right. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, the new, I guess, version of the program?
1: Definitely. So this is very exciting, and I am a little envious of students at Baylor right now because (laughs) I wish that Baylor had been doing some of this when I was a student. Um, Baylor for a long time has had just a pretty obvious presence in D.C. because it has a great reputation. We have scholars and researchers and faculty members who have a national platform for their work. We have students who've been incredibly successful here, but none of those efforts have been very centralized or well-coordinated or organized. So part of the um, revamping of Mm -hmm. Baylor in Washington is that we would like to help um, advance the university and the the students of the university through a a more intentional effort to, to highlight what Baylor's doing in D.C., to provide opportunities for students and alumni in D.C. And so one of the first steps that we're going to take to do that is we're creating an academic semester program for students during the fall and spring semesters, which has never happened before. Hmm. So students will now be able to, quote, unquote, study abroad in D.C., which <laughs> I actually use that reference a lot because D.C. is a little bit like a foreign country, um, unfortunately. These taxation days. without representation. <laughs> yeah, <right>. exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a really good point because I think – There is a lot of benefits to doing a study abroad, Mm -hmm. and there's no question about that. But there are also some really great opportunities domestically to go and be in a different city and get some really wonderful real-world experience, and this program allows students to do that, but to also walk away with course credit at the end of it.
1: Course credit and a full-time internship on their resume at a distinguished institution that um, either they have pursued on their own or Baylor has helped facilitate for them. And so part of my job will be helping students find and secure those internships using the vast and, and very diverse Baylor network that is here in DC and and then helping create a distinctly Baylor experience in Washington. That's one of the, the most compelling reasons for why we should be doing this and why students should be able to come here is, is to learn from Baylor faculty members, to have a Baylor student life experience, to still have community, to be learning about the integration of their values and faith and um, have an ethical lens in how they're viewing the government environment and politics and distinctly viewing their vocation in a way that Baylor facilitates back on campus but can be very intimidating in D.C.
0: An integration, I guess, of, of faith and, and learning. Exactly, yeah. exactly. For those students who might be, and understandably, a little intimidated mm-hmm. by the idea of finding an internship in D.C., can you just give us, I guess, a little bit more insight into... How much of that responsibility rests with them and what kind of help the program offers in in securing those internships? Because it's D.C., so Definitely. they're competitive.
1: That's right. So the first thing I would say, which is not to say that the environment is not as competitive as people think, however, fall and spring internships in D.C. are actually much more accessible than people imagine mm. because summer is really the time that the entire country migrates to yeah. Washington for their educational and professional experiences. So in the fall and spring, students can actually access some pretty incredible internships that are not available during the summer. So there's a case right there.
0: Where, where are some of the places that people have been in the past and will be mm. this, this fall?
1: So this fall, we have a really terrific cohort joining us in D.C., and they'll be in a variety of institutions, including the White House, Supreme Court, congressional offices, the Department of Justice, a couple at nonprofit organizations that are involved in the government space, and that's barely even scratching the surface of what we have access to through Baylor's network. So for students who are interested in coming here, we are now starting to build a legacy of Baylor student internships that they will have access to. They'll be able to tap into certain offices and say, you hosted a Baylor intern last semester, would you be interested in having one again? And I'll be very helpful with that process. And then we're always discovering new Baylor alumni who are in positions of authority who might want to hire a Baylor intern. Mm. It's a very compelling thing for an alum, but also because Baylor students are a, a high premium. They're, they're competitive academically, they're thoughtful. They are responsible. They have integrity. They're hard workers. They understand the idea of servant leadership. These are very, very compelling things to look for in an intern, and especially in some of these high-level institutions.
0: What What, what does the program actually look like on a Monday to Friday basis? Are students really just working full time, or is there a classroom component? And if so, what What does that look like?
1: Great question. So. We, this fall, have developed a a system where students are gonna be interning four and a half days a week. So on Fridays, they'll be taking half days. And we're doing that so that students can still be competitive for full-time internships. But Friday afternoons, we're going to take them around town to various organizations so that they're getting exposure to the full array and the full DC landscape of institutions that influence policy. On Monday nights, students will be in classes for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. The class on Monday nights this fall is called Campaigns and Elections, taught by a former PhD um, Baylor graduate who did his PhD in political science. And he'll be looking, particularly at the 2018 midterms, but looking at at campaign and election theory and some of the high-level historical data, and then looking more in the weeds at how our campaigns run, What's happening in the elections right now? How's, how has the election environment changed in
0: recent years? So if you do uh, a semester here, you will take whatever the, the set course is?
1: Exactly. Okay. So they'll take that on Monday nights, and then there'll be a Wednesday night seminar bringing in various guest speakers who work in the policy space. And that will also be facilitated by a number of Baylor professors who will fly up from Waco on a periodic basis.
0: And, and how do students actually get a grade?
1: So students will be graded for the Monday night and Wednesday night classes as they would be back on campus based Uh on a syllabus with some curriculum, their participation in class, papers and reflections they'll write. They'll be graded for their internship based on a number of assessments and reflections they have to submit, showing that they are really thinking through the implications of their internship, who they're working for, what they're learning about themselves. And then students will also conduct research throughout the course of the semester and they'll receive credit for the research that they work on.
0: Okay, fantastic. And are some of these, uh, pardon me, are these internships often unpaid or are there some paid opportunities?
1: There are actually a lot of paid opportunities in DC. Not a lot of those are in the public sector. Mm-hmm. If you work for a government office, more than likely you will not be paid. However, there are a lot of ways to leverage different resources, both here in D.C. and through Baylor's network. Um, We are working to try to provide scholarship for students who would not be able to be here if they did not receive some support for their living expenses on the ground.
0: Because I I think that can be intimidating.
1: Certainly. Uh,
0: Because D.C. is not Waco when it comes to the cost of living. That's right. So could you maybe explain a little bit about the, the scholarship process? Right. And, and the kind of scholarships that might be available uh, so that students can can know that this is a genuine option for them.
1: Right. So first of all, we are very excited to pursue some different scholarship options, um, in part because there are so many people in the Baylor family who would love to see more students in D.C. It's a very obvious way to advance the mission of the university and expand Baylor's reach. And so there are a lot of supporters who... Uh, are interested in helping us grow our resources as a program. We are hoping to have scholarships that students can compete for. So if they are selected to participate in the semester program, they can apply for additional funding that will go directly to them and to their experience. And room and board is actually relatively similar to what students would have to pay on campus. Mm -hmm. And we facilitate the housing opportunity for them up here so students don't have to worry about housing. And really, if you think about it, they're in classes Monday and Wednesday nights. We have activities on Fridays. There are very few points during the week and throughout the semester that they're having to fend for themselves. We really help facilitate a uh, full experience because we know that the semester will go by very quickly, and we want to make this
0: worthwhile for the students. They're going to be busy. They're going to be they busy.
1: They're going to be fully um, immersed.
0: With the living um, situation, so that's all organized as part of the program? Exactly. Uh, is it... a dormitory style accommodation is it in an apartment where you have your own room and you share a kitchen what's the what's the facility like
1: so the facility is arranged in apartment style housing and students will be in either i think four person rooms or six person apartments and students can request to share an apartment with a Baylor student doing the program who they know mm-hmm. if they don't know any of the other Baylor students they'll be placed with other students from other universities which would be a very fun learning and social yeah. experience too yeah,
0: absolutely tell us a little bit about why why you are in DC what is it about DC that made you want to come in the first place and and what has made you stay
1: it's a great question um While DC is somewhat intimidating um, from the outside looking in, after I had my first internship experience here, I knew that DC is the type of environment and the type of culture that facilitates and allows for an enormous amount of growth, personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally. And I experienced that as a summer intern working here. And I also noticed that there was a lot more potential that I had not yet tapped into. Mm. And so it was an obvious choice for me to want to come back, even if I had only spent two years in D.C., those would have been two years of pretty significant transformation just by engaging with the world of ideas up here, the highly tenacious and ambitious people and uh, professional careers that are available to you. And there's just a very rich sense of life and culture in D.C. People underestimate that a little bit. They think of just the uh, the House large of cards. Exactly. Kind of, yeah, yeah, cutthroat. Yeah, just yeah. the suits running around town. <laughs> but actually, there's incredibly ri- rich um, religious community here, Christian community. There's really amazing food and arts and music and film experience. It's, it's a very diverse place. It's the most international city in the United States. There are plenty of opportunities to expand your horizons, for lack of a better term. And all of that's here, and people all come to D.C. with the intention of pursuing that. And so it's also very easy to find community and find friendship and people who are like-minded mm. in that they also want to be growing significantly. And, and DC is somewhat of a catalyst for that, that energy.
0: And what advice would you have for students trying to find a, a sense of vocation, marrying faith with uh, professional career? Like, How did you go, off, go about finding that kind of connection between the two?
1: It's a great question. I, after moving up here, participated in a few different... Um, small groups and seminars and different opportunities that helped start those conversations for me and helped provide some of the questions that I needed to be reflecting on around who am I? What interests me? What am I good at? What do I love doing? Who do I love serving? What do I care about? What problems in the world do I want to solve? And these are the the well-rounded and kind of holistic questions that we need to be asking ourselves, not just who do we want providing our paycheck and and what do we want to be good at? That's not really going to meet and fulfill what we were designed to do as people. And so I very proactively looked for some of those resources. Some of the churches here provide a lot of those programs and opportunities. And then similar to what I was saying earlier, I looked for people who I felt like were asking the same questions. And I would say most of my growth here over the past five years has taken place and been encouraged by individuals who I'm in conversation with on a regular basis and they know me and they can follow up with me and they can challenge me and really in the context of personal relationship is I think the the only and the best way that we can receive you know the feedback we need to receive about who we're becoming and and what we should be doing with our lives and our our skills
0: fantastic for and finally for students who want to find out more, who have heard what you've said and, and thought, this, this sounds like something I'd be really interested in doing, uh, what are the deadlines, and how should they go about finding out some more?
1: Great question. Well, we are we have not yet named the deadline for the spring semester, but we are accepting applications for this coming spring 2019. Mm-hmm. Students can apply right now to join us in D.C., And if you go to baylor.edu slash Washington, this is the Baylor and Washington website. And there'll be a tab where you can click to learn more about the Baylor and Washington semester program. And there's an outline of the program components that we talked about earlier and instructions for applying. Also, students can just contact me and we can have a phone call. We can chat while I'm back on campus in September and I'll probably be back again in October and November to do interviews for students who are interested.
0: And how should they contact you?
1: My email's in the Baylor directory. It's molly underscore more and the number one at baylor.edu. That's
0: molly with I-E.
1: Molly with an I-E. Thank
0: you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, That is uh, a wonderful opportunity for you, and that wraps up this week's episode of Bears at the Bar and Beyond. (laughs) Molly, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks.